Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. This is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of being a little different from everybody else, and that's okay. It's all just a rainbow of wonderful and talented people, and sometimes monsters. Uh, Sometimes the talented people are the monsters. Anyways, yes, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. Tonight, it's a subject that I've been wanting to do for some time, and so I suggested it to the other gentlemen here, and here we are. It is diversity in your characters in gaming. Now, what I mean by this is let's, and I mean, we all go through it. Oh, I want to play a dwarf. I want to play an elf. Oh, I'm going to play a dragon, depending on, you know, or I want to play an android. This is more along the lines of uh, changes in the character different from yourself that you would experience in real life. The biggest example would be a man playing a female character or, you know, just something as they would say out of your wheelhouse would be probably the best term I would, I could say for this. Yeah. I, like I mentioned earlier, my one player, Randu goes by nymph. She's playing the 12 year old Ukrainian girl who, Low-level radiation, constant emission, and all that. I mean, she's got other powers. But yeah, she's got to walk around in a... uh, Unless she's in her specially designed quarters, she's got to walk around in a... a, Basically, like a skin-tight black environmental suit that keeps her radiation in. So it's like a fair... Well, if it's it's like um, a gamma race or something like that, maybe a Faraday cage would be able to withhold it, okay? Yeah, but... but if it's something yep. like you know um, A and B uh, alpha and beta particles, no, it just you know she has to wear a suit to keep it from getting out of the suit. Right. Yeah. yeah to, to make sure she's not killing all the other heroes around her. Yeah. And it, but she has tapped into a little bit of the isolation that you know she can never really touch anybody unless they're immune to radiation. Even then, she still contaminates everywhere else. So yeah. She started to get into this character and just having been by herself and despite she's part of this team, it's kind of a rogue thing. Yeah. As well, in the right. character. Yeah. Well, a, a character that they had on, um, uh, um, oh, I forget the name. It's something, Slock Mercenary. Uh, there's a character that is uh, photosynthetic. Okay. Looks like a normal person otherwise you know, kind of green skin, you know, features, stuff like that. And they asked her, they said, why, why do you uh, always wear these black suits? Okay. Uh, these, you know, black cat suits, you know, I mean, I, we realize that you look good at them, but is there a reason that you wear just black cat suits? And she says, yeah, I prefer to eat my calories. Wait, what? Hold, wait. She, she prefers to ingest and eat her calories rather than being exposed to sunlight and have her body produce uh, sugars. 
I mean, basically, she says, if I if I tried to if I did wear this suit and ate like I normally do, I'd be like a, a big fat girl. <laughs> so she says, this is this is how I I manage that. So uh, you know, so that's why I wear these black cat suits, just so I can enjoy you know all the different foods that are in the universe, because I because otherwise I wouldn't need to at all. You know, now her character is great. She goes to a world in which there's no food, like you know, shuttle crashes. You know, they they they're on a desert. They might have water, but there's no food. She just has to take her. She just has to unzip her uniform a little bit, and all of a sudden she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not hungry at all." But everyone else is like gnawing on the back of their hands. They're so hungry. You know, so. Someone starts saying it's about time to have some salad, don't you think? Yeah. What are you looking at me with that bottle of Caesar dressing? Get, That's get right. away from me. Drop drop the fork. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Drop the salad shooter. Yeah. Hey, yeah. See what I did there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's people in our audience who doesn't know what a salad shooter is. That is true, yeah, yeah. Well, you know how it is, as you and I get older, Bruce, it's like your jokes become less and less funny because Unless, unless people understand the reference. Well, some people yeah. thought they weren't funny to begin with, but okay. Well, yeah. But thank you for the vote of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But anyways, yeah. So I'm just saying is that, you know, if you have a character, you know, that has these kinds of things, then, you know, that's, that you know, Spock with his whole pawn far, you know. I mean, that's uh, that's some serious business there, you know. I mean... I, I've I've heard so many people writing about different things about it. It's like you know, uh, you can't you can't go on these multi-year quests. You know how how does Spock go on a multi-year? You know like you know supposedly you know, their five-year mission. But the fact is is that they didn't they they went on exploration missions, but they didn't stay out there for five years because that would really have messed with that whole pond far business. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, so. They kept coming back to space stations and such, and and uh, and he could travel back to, uh, uh, you know, uh, Vulcan to be with the missus. Or I don't know how he dealt with it afterwards. I guess, you know, uh, it's like the, the one of the few remnants of their passionate back background that they had they had uh, sworn off. So, yeah, it's like what every seven years, it's like a heat cycle for the men yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. They, they they have to mate or die. Yeah, that was funny. I just saw Star Trek two, and uh, the or Star Trek three, the young Spock going back through the Genesis effect, and every so often he's hitting that pond far again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At least twice. Yeah. <laughs> Seen his forehead pulsating and everything. Oh, that's <laughs> not right. Something's broken. Yeah. Get this man a cold shower, or something. and and a and a very <clears throat> and, and a very uh, supportive uh, ensign was there with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyways, uh, so yeah, I mean, adding that kind of stuff is great. I mean, uh, you know, you, I mean, vampires, of course, are afraid of garlic. You go to you know uh, Italian world, <laughs> it's gonna be a it's gonna be a thing, right? You know, and uh, but. You know, so the question is: Is it are they repulsed by the smell of it? Are they repulsed by, you know, the the touch of it? I mean, you know, you, you got to know you got to know what your bane's are. Oh God, I I remember hearing about this, and it was something that Eric the Enabler brought up about. I'm wearing a rose. Why are you wearing a rose? Are you trying to be stylish? No, it keeps vampires away. What do you mean? 
Rose and Garlic are from the same family. I look it up and I'm just looking at him across. I hate you. <laughs> so apparently it's something the rose and, and what it's supposed to mean and garlic and this. And yeah, it was a whole, yeah. Yeah, no, it, um, it all goes back to, you know, the original, uh, 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 Dracula. Yeah. The, the, the novel. Yeah, he was he was allergic to And to I think roses. silver was a thing with vampires back then and silver is supposed to be purity or something. Well, they 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 didn't have an image in a in a silver mirror because back then, you know, good mirrors were made out of glass that was coated with silver. So, uh but now of course, you know, they're all coated with aluminum so, uh, or something else like that. So so the vampires would uh, uh would appear Easily in any mirror, but of course, you know, most, you know, and of course they'd also be photographable by cameras and uh, video cameras and all that kind of stuff like that. Except that people normally go to say, well, no, no, they can't, you know, they can't be photographed. They can't, you know, they can't, their image cannot be captured in anything. And so they, they, they give them that invisibility that's, that's so, so fun to do, you know, it's like, you know. You get to see, uh, you, know, you look at the CCT and you see objects moving around, apparently of their own power. How is that possible? So, yeah. But yeah, so if you're playing a race like a vampire or a werewolf, then you got to be fair with your, uh, your banes. You know? And also other things like, you know, are you actually uh, under the, uh, uh, the rulership of somebody? You know, the, uh, is, you know do you have a sire? you know, that you need to obey and who what may change your uh, primary focus for your character to their benefit. So, you know, are, are you doing that? Or are you just saying, well, yeah, I'm a vampire because I want those abilities. You know, don't do just that. You know, be, and, you know, so you have the whole sociological, you have biological in the sense, you know, you have... Uh, you know, uh, you know, all that stuff that goes along with the pluses and minuses, you know. And, you know, you. I mean, sometimes people just want to play a character, as, as Jonathan said, they just want to play a character because they want to see what it's like. They want to try to work out in the by playing the character what that character would really be like if, if it was a real person, if it wasn't just a legend or something like that. And I applaud that, I think, because you know, that's, that's, that's hard work. You know that's that, that requires you know intellectual honesty, and diligence and all those things and and I and that's that's the sort of thing we promote here on gaming on the frontier. We want you to be excellent, you know, in all of your in, in all of your play. So that's one reason we're having this thing is to say, hey, make your characters really diverse, you know, at, not as in like extremely diverse, but in like in a way that is is uh, honest and real it is you know in a uh, narrative sense in a uh, literary sense Jonathan you have to say anything for a while what you got um I think I just want to make sure that we uh, address that we want to when we talk about the motivations for playing a, uh, a an off type character for yourself don't go into it just for fun I, I mean it, it should be you know obvious but you know there are some people we've we've all heard the horror stories of of people who you know like guys 
who will you know play a female character just to turn that character into like the worst stereotype they can think of just because they think it's funny yeah and that and that's not even if they're doing it around like he's like the male player is playing a female character and there's a female gamer in the group 9999 times out of 10,000 that female player will get squicked out like they will quickly, just be like yeah. no we're not no we're not doing this either play it correctly or pick another character and yeah and and there there are times that even i've had male players play female characters and we're just all like, dude, no, just stop. Just no, this is not working out. <laughs> what? Just no. <laughs> you want to get the water bottle and, you know. Right. Well, way back in the day, I, I had. <laughs> yeah. Way back in the day, I had a female character with 18 double zero strength, and she was a fighter type. And she, and of course, I gave her enormous breasts, and I called her Bodacious. And when people, you know, that wasn't her real name. Uh, and when she, and when people said, why, why are you called that? She says, well, you know, that's the name I, ch that was, that was the nickname I chose rather than all the other nicknames that other people were choosing. So she thought she felt that Bodacious was, was a, was a classier name than, than the other names that people would say because she had these big breasts. You know, of course, if they used any of those other names around her, she'd like, beat the crap out of them because she had 18 double zero strength so yeah but that was uh or 1890 whatever it was uh so uh because that you know uh and and so I'm, I'm just saying that was kind of the closest i got to that you know saying okay i'm going to be you know stereotypical uh i tried to give her you know a, you know a a, a a, a, as I said, a, a, a fair shake at having an, an identity that wasn't just a sexual joke, you know, because her name, you know, and her breast size were were both out there, you know. Um, but, you know, and the players seemed to, go, seemed to go along with it. You know, they were like, okay, yeah, we're, we're here to kill orcs. We're not here to, 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 to call you names because you've got, you know, stuff. And she says, good. He says, then I'll back you up. <laughs> so, and that's the way it went, you know, and, and, uh, but it's, it was kind of, I also did it because, you know, I was surrounded by, uh, teenagers. They were, all my players at that time were, were young male teenagers. And, uh, you know, they were, you know, that, that was one of their, you know, NPC fantasies, you know, walk into town, you know, here's the barmaid. And they're like, well, how big's her bust? You know, and I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll roll for that. You know, you know, but you know, they were always wanting to get the barmaid with the biggest bosoms to come over and and be their barmaid. That's as far as they ever went. They were like 14 years old. They had no clue. They had no clue how to go any further than that. You know, but or if they did, they were just not willing to tell you because they figured to get. Well, they back. were. You know, they, I, they. If they did, I'd say, well, you know, there's a house of, you know, of of of, of, of ill repute down the street. You're welcome to go down there and spend your coin. Just, uh, just tell me how much you spent when you came back. You know, so you make sure you mark it off on your character sheet. But yeah. But I mean, that was, uh, you know, they were interested in these kinds of things. And I was trying to say, look, you know, 
you know, a, a woman is not the sum of her attributes. You know, she is more. She's greater than the sum of her attributes. So, you know, and you need to, and, and so are you. So you need to be better than that. And uh, and they got the message, you know, and that's wh one of the reasons I played Bodacious is because they had, a, there was a character in their face, you know, and she never put, you know, she never tried to get romantic with any of them. She was a fighter. She, you know, she, she if she was gonna, if she was gonna do that, then she was gonna, you know, do that with an NPC somewhere, not with one of the group, because you don't, you don't met, you don't, yeah, you know, it's like you don't date in, in a lot of companies. You don't date in company, you know, you don't date in your own group. It's just not good, because usually there's an there's a uneven power dynamic going on, you know. You don't you don't want to get you don't want to date the cleric because what happens if the cleric gets mad at you and you, you get hurt you know is the cleric going to give you as much healing as they would otherwise or you know what I'm saying you don't want that going on you want to, you want it to be all business so it's uh, I know it's and, and you know I know it's hard sometimes when people are playing with their significant other you know because a lot of times they'll you know, they'll play, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a connected group, you know, the, uh, husband, wife, you know, uh, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, and they'll play out their relationship in the game, you know, and I'm like, okay. Well, Raftar, if you had done the laundry like I asked you to, we wouldn't have this problem. Right, right, you know. Yeah, some you know this is you know so the men in my culture are 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 you know they they do household chores. See, <laughs> he's like saying, well maybe maybe the men in my culture are busy you know uh, uh, repairing the conveyance. <laughs> you get these yeah. these kinds of and everyone's going oh, oh my goodness you know can you just keep it away from the table? So, uh, but I mean, it also sometimes they get all lovey-dovey with each other and, and the other players are, you know, especially the single players around the table are like, you know, uh, thanks. Uh, but I've, uh, I've balanced that. There have been partners I've had in my games that, yeah, there might be, I could say this honestly, Fur and I have never done that. We've never said, yeah, our characters are a couple or we want to do a romantic subplot. No, Fur's often playing like, Oh, you know, the, the Android from beyond the wire or hundred eyes from, you know, Marco Polo or Uhtred from the last kingdom. It's like, no, it was funny. Uhtred was, you know, fur was playing Uhtred and my one gamer Gina was playing a, it was the FTL game. So she's playing a female Kemnar, which is a cat like creature. And I'm just sitting back and just grinning. I'm like, okay, yeah, go. Yeah. And then I showed for the picture. Do you know what a Kemnar is dear? No bring it up show it to her oh well and she just went well it's Uhtred he's gonna try anyways and I'm just there face palming Gina's there giggling and just yeah you want a cat just, girl girlfriend you got a cat girl girlfriend <laughs> you yeah there's yeah just think about everything that goes with the cats dear just think yeah think real hard <laughs> no no it's the thing that Z and I do when we run games we look at the player lower the glasses and look down and go are you sure? <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. All right. Well, um, so uh, now if you have, you know, going back to people who have uh, disabilities, okay, you know, usually when you play characters with these, unless they've been like totally compensated for, 
in the sense of like they've got prosthetics, they've got like you know like say a Waldo, which is the ultimate in prosthetics. Um, they usually find themselves falling into certain roles, which is fine, you know, uh, you know if that's what the player wants to do, you know, if they if they're okay with that. Uh, so, like for example, characters who have mobility issues, usually they find themselves. The players will usually create the character that be a, a computer operator, you know, doing research and and things like that, or you know, uh, uh, or they become the leadership characters where they tell other people to go do what they want to do, and they just sit sit back, you know, in their their wheelchair or their uh, stand standing desk. And uh, and just basically say, okay, you know that's you know, you know, good job, team, you know, and and become the the mastermind, okay. Or they may, you know, they they may be the drone operator, you know, an independent Waldo or drones or any number of uh, of assistive mobile devices that uh, just leads it back to their screens in front of them and they can feel like they're really participating. And it also means that they're usually a lot safer. So I, I see characters, uh, I've seen some players who have gone that route without being disabled. Uh, play, uh, they do it because they're new players or they're just a little intimidated, intimidated by combat and um, uh, situations with a lot of stress in them. And there's a lot of people out there that, you know, don't feel that they can react instantly, you know, uh, whenever something happens. So having a character that's more, you know, of a support character, you know, this is this is a way. If if I'm if I'm in a wheelchair, you cannot expect me to keep up with you guys, you know. Uh, or if I, you know, uh, if I have a, uh, I, I can't speak and I have to type everything out. Well, then you can't expect me to do that negotiation with that alien uh, or, you know, any number of things like that. So, you know, people, they're, you know, the, the characters will gravitate towards certain things. So um, if cybernetics does replace all the disabled parts and disability, you know, uh, and such, then disability is mostly backstory. You know, it's, it's part of, you know, uh, of, of where you came from. And maybe it'll give you an edge on cybernetics or, you know, uh, if you end up talking to somebody who's an artificial life form, you could say, yeah, I know all about that. You know, it could be, be nice to have that kind of surprise backstory thing. You know, uh, this isn't like that, but I mean, you know, there's so many times... That, when I was playing fifth edition, I used the fact that my character was a sailor to gain advantage on things. It's like, well, you know, I'm used to looking at things from high up and, and telling distances, or uh, I'm really good at sewing, <laughs> sewing sails, and I'm really good at weaving ropes, and I'm really good at uh, walking over very, uh, you know, uh, 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 decks that rock back and forth. So we're, we're going through some of the traps and dungeons. I say, this is really easy for my character. I should get a bonus. And the GM's like, okay, you get a roll with advantage. So, yeah, I mean, backgrounds like that can be very useful. Uh, even if you're not actually currently disabled, having disability in your background can can give you some uh, 
some some makes your more it makes your background more interesting, but it also might give you some advantages that you can weave into the current narrative. Yeah. In when we were playing the TriTag game, I was always saying is that look, you guys don't have to take a million different uh, uh, skills. Okay, you can say things like, "I'm going to hurl this grenade like I would hurl a baseball because I've got a sport baseball as one of my skills." Because they had a lot of they had a lot of secondary background skills in the TriTag game. So, uh, or I'm going to go and and uh, you know I'm going to go and slide under that. Uh, uh, careening uh, semi, you know, this, this sliding across, you know, the, the, the tanker full of, you know, uh, petroleum that's going to flip over and crash. I slide under it like I'm sliding into first base you because I'm using my skill in baseball. And the GM's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Usually, you know, it's, that's, I didn't realize you could do that. But roll your sport baseball. You know, or uh, roll your agility and add like one for three for your sports baseball. You know, and, uh, and, and so I'm just saying is that leveraging these 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 secondary and, and possibly tertiary um, uh, skills or background pieces is all part of playing your character. And so, yeah, disability in your background is also a good thing. I have uh, the upcoming the upcoming. Wow, there, there's some messed up tenses there. Upcoming Friday game, it's, well, it's not Mary Sue's, but they're all basically over-glorified versions of themselves. And my coworker Joe played basketball. I mean, he's a musician, so obviously modern-day version of a bard. But he also played basketball all throughout high school. And I have found things that will help him with using those basketball skills to like help them in combat and agility and whatnot. Yeah. It's going to be a secondary skill, but it, I, I found a rule set because with me again, there's a PDF for that and just, yeah, playing basketball, it's going to help him. He'll be able to, you know, make certain, you know, ranged attacks and stuff and all because he was there at some Wyandotte Michigan high school playing basketball for three, four five years. <laughs> and I told him this, he's like, you're going to put that in there. Hey, you're the one from across the, the banding area throwing used tape rolls into the dumpster. I'm just calling it like I see it, you know. <laughs> right. Well, you know, imagine these, you know, there's a lot. Okay. There have been multiple occasions in, in the games over the, la the many years I played where somebody had an object and all the baddies were running because they wanted that object, whether it was a bomb, whether it was the, you know, the MacGuffin or whatever. And, you know, and very rarely did anybody ever say, well, I'm going to go and leverage the fact that we're all on the same varsity basketball team. And we're just going to laterally like move this like a basketball through our group. So but we're, so the bad guys are never able to like circle us and, and, and overwhelm us. And if someone's going to go down, they're going to toss it off to somebody else so we can get it over to the goal, slap it on, do whatever we're supposed to do, you know, get, you know, drop that ring into the, the lava of the mountain of doom. You know, I've, I've never yet had someone say, hey, because we all d are on that, we can do that. Okay. And, you know, but, and, and believe me, if you were a bunch of players that were coming out of an inner city uh, uh, 
in the 70s and 80s coming out of the inner city and you did not you had not been on a pickup uh basketball game pretty much at least once a week i'd be like what part of the inner city were you from yeah oh no no they had this tournament wyandotte it was simple three-on-three street ball oh god what was the name of it it was back in the day gus macker that was it the gus macker three-on-three Oh, no, that was all over Ypsilanti at EMU, yeah. Right, so I'm saying is that yeah. this, this again, would be something out of your background. You could arguably say, look, we're all from whatever. This is the national sport on whatever. We all have played these games, you know, played our amateur versions of them, but we, you know, we, we've got the, the, the skill, the practice. We just haven't thought of using it that way. Let's use it now, and they're like, and the GM would be like, well, yeah, I guess you could pull this kind of a maneuver, you know, in, uh, in, indeed, if you're playing Savage Worlds, he'd say everybody roll an intelligence check and do, and, and pull off a trick, you know, and that would, and that would be a way of just basically saying, we don't have to roll all this because you're going to sort it through, uh, and, and get it through by, by basically tricking these guys by doing some razzle dazzle. And, and you know, and you know what the GM's job is going to be in all this? Go to YouTube and find a, a, a video of Sweet Georgia Brown. Just have it playing in the back. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, you know, uh... <laughs> well, it's either that or Cheech and Chong's Basketball Jones. But I think Sweet Georgia Brown would keep the action going a little. Okay, bit. I, I was actually thinking of the Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> because that was yeah, always that, my Sweet go-to. George, yeah, that's called Sweet Georgia Brown. Okay, all right, there yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, full circle, folks. Full circle. There we are. Okay, all on the same page. Right. Yep. Okay. So um, now, what are the globe trotters? What? <laughs> Dude. Bad person. Bad. Dude. Bad host. Bad host. <laughs> this is what you get for not doing your research, young man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or or go back about forty-five minutes where yeah, Bruce, your jokes or jokes are not getting or they're becoming less and less funny because people less know less of our references. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, always a, that's always a problem. Uh, okay. Anyways, uh, now, you know, you can do things like you can use like another sense to do discrimination. So you can use echolocation, uh, instead of sense, a sight using your ears. Uh, you can use smell to identify caustic or poisonous aerosols. The idea being that, you know, like when you lose a sense, the other senses become more at- acute, so, you know, yeah. right. Yeah. You could use heat or cold instead of touch. So if I put my hand up, you know, next to your face, but I don't touch you, you could still feel the heat from my hand and know my hand was there. So you can do these kinds of things. But, you know, I, I, I there's going to be a law of diminishing returns in this. <laughs> Sooner or later, it's going to be like, uh, really? You know, you're going to be like, uh, playing in one of those D and D Baldur's Gate games where you turn on, you know, the sneak, the the the, the uh, thief stealth ability, and you go walking around. All of a sudden, bing, something appears. You know? so I think that the GM is going to have to say, okay, you know, most of the time you're going to be like essentially as blind as as bad, or you know, but every once in a while. I'm going to throw something I'm going to throw something out at you that only you could detect because of your special uh, sensory setup. Uh, I would say that's probably the best way of handling that because it's otherwise it's you know uh, the you know, the GM describes something and then the the player says, "Oh, and 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 what does that look like to my echolocation?" 
And that's where a lot of GMs go, oh, crap, I forgot he had that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, the best use, I think, of actually trying to represent that was in um, the uh, uh, oh Daredevil when uh, he was, you know, having a, a, a moment with his girlfriend and it was in the middle of a rainstorm. And because all that rain was bouncing up and down all around them, he could he could see everything. Couldn't just hear her heartbeat. He could actually see you know everything about her because of the echolocation. Oh, this is the Ben Affleck movie from way back when. Was it? I thought it was also done in the TV series. But okay, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, you know you don't. Oh no, I I remember him. And I think this was the the Ben Affleck movie, which is like 2002, 2003, where he's smacking his baton on like various objects. And that's how he was doing his echolocation. And that's where he's sliding down these rails and flipping because he's now got the, the 360 perfect, you know, knowledge of everything there. Because every so often it would just smack it on a metal pole or on the side of a brick chimney or on the. You know, yeah, yeah. People have have demonstrated that you actually can do echo. A human can do echolocation. They just have to train their ears. You just start making these clicking sounds in your in your mouth, okay. And of course, your mouth is uh, directional. So when you and if you hear it echo back, you know there's an object, you know, not too far away from you. And uh, with practice, you can you can basically navigate a maze uh, or pretty much be able to draw out, you know, all the objects in a room without ever touching them, without getting closer than five feet to them. So, you know, it's it's possible to do that. And people who have advanced echolocation like that, you know, would be able to do that. You know, where other people are like, we can't see a darn thing, you know, what you know, because either there's magical darkness or the the thing is filled with flying um, you know, uh light absorbing blobs and you you just can't see anything at all you know you're just surrounded or there's just you know there's just chaff everywhere but um but echolocation might still be able to give you a uh, uh, a truer sense of what's around you and of course that invisible critter you can tell that invisible critter where it's to your right to your left is is there actually an invisible critter in front of you ready to attack you no one has ever used that in D&D and I've always felt that they should be able to, but that's where they go to say, well, no, only these races have, you know, blind sight, you know. So, like, okay, it's nothing, nothing you can learn, huh? So you can maybe make the argument that if they take like the blind fighting feat, that's what that's part of what they're doing. Oh, oh yeah, that would definitely be part of what they're doing if you have blind fighting. So yeah, there's a feat in Pathfinder called Blind Warrior. Now, if you take this feat, yeah, then you have to be blind. But basically, it's blind sense for 15 feet and blind sight, which would be the echolocation for five feet. And every three to six levels or hit dice, that blind sense and that blind sight gets out another five or 10 feet. So by the time you're 20th level, you've got like, oh, God, what is it for Gina's character? It's like. 55 foot radius blind sense and like a 30 foot blind sight. So yeah, she's there 
and 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 it's funny because yeah, she's all this in the combat. She's the doctor. She's a psychiatrist. Yet she's there in the middle of the combat in the hinterland game. And of course, I've had to remind her. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, you did take an oath. You're doing this stuff against constructs undead. Other than that, yeah, you're. But no, she gets out there among constructs and all that, or undead. Oh no, she's there because she's playing that blind warrior. So they do have. You mentioned blind fighting, and that was another one, Jonathan, that I was reminded of due to um, Dr. Orla Tobin. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Okay. Uh, Got a little choked up there. Sorry. All right. All right. So, anyways, like I said, is that, you know, uh, using like severe um, sensory uh, uh, disability is can be a real challenge if it isn't, you know, clearly just, you know, um uh, taken care of by some assistive device uh i would say that that's probably something that you might want to think twice before you do it uh likewise you know when you uh when you say hey i want to be like royalty of a uh player race okay then you not only are you having to know the cultural part of being that race you know uh this as in like the society you know, the things that everyone would know. But you also have to know things like religion, you know, hierarchies of religion and 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 uh, ascension and all that stuff like that. And it's, you know, you can really bite off more than you can chew. You know, it's, it's a lot of work to actually make a character that's believable if you give them, you know, that kind of, of advantage or disadvantage, depending upon how you're playing the game. Uh, so I would just say be careful about that sort of thing. You know, we want diversity, but we also want the players, you know, and we want to challenge the players, but we also want the players to be able to have a good time and not, you know, feel like they're spending all their off time, you know, writing up, you know, detailed, uh, uh, you know, histories of their, of their people because nobody, the GM hasn't bothered to do this. Because he wasn't expecting anybody to play it or something, you know. So usually broad strokes are fine, you know, as long as they're not stereotypical. So, all right. Well, uh, uh, Trav and, and Jonathan, that's all I have. Do you guys have more stuff that you want to talk about? Um, well, Jonathan, you first. Do you have anything to add? Or just... um, the only thing I would maybe recommend, um, and this is part of... Um, doing your research and, and if you are going to play something and you, and you want to make sure that you're not portraying, you know, someone of a, of a different ethnicity or gender in a, or sexuality in a, in a, in a, a offensive way, even accidentally is you can look at YouTube, but there are tons of testimonials out there of like what it's like for p these people to live. Um, or even disabilities. I, I, I remember there was one YouTube uh, channel I followed for a while, which was just a blind gentleman talking about what it was like living as a blind man and how he got around in the modern world. And so if you want to, if you actually want to take this seriously, you know, and, and or at the very least, you know, not be, you know, again, offensive, just do a little bit of research. You, you can find everything you need on YouTube. It's not going to be the perfect experience. Again, you won't really know how someone else lives unless you literally walk in their shoes, but 
that's kind of what role playing is a little bit about is like walking in someone else's shoes as much as you can without actually walking in their shoes. But yeah, okay. take take yeah. take some time to to just do a little bit of research to make sure you're not going to be in a, unintentionally offensive. Yeah, if you have people in your life who um I have a fellow DJ, her name is Bryn and she's like 100% blind in one eye and 95% blind in the other. Legally blind. It, the, the white cane, the whole, yeah. But out of that one eye, it's like, okay, we had the chat room on TV and the letters were five inches high scrolling. So she could read as well. If you have these people in your life, ask them. They will be more than glad. Because if you say, yeah, I want to try playing this character in my game and they're blind, and I would like to talk to you and try to get some insight. They will be more than glad to tell you, because they, of all people, if they're finding out you're playing like a blind character, and it's, you know, a caricature or a joke, they will let you know. They will, it will mm -hmm. get back to, yeah. So if you have these people in your life, they are the first best SMEs on this. And for me, because a good number of my gaming groups are female they are you know it's yeah i i've had to pick up on mannerisms and what not to do it because oh no they'll they'll call you out it's just yeah it's like no no stop just they're they will let me know afterwards okay that was a little you know off base there so yeah be be mindful of who you have around you if you can get research from them get research from them if they are in your group be mindful of how they are. So if I do have to sit there and play a female NPC, I'm going to make sure that, you know, it's not, there's nothing offensive or nasty going on because that's the last thing that they would want as a stereotype being thrown at them right in their face. So, um, yeah. And these kinds of people are actually the, your best source of, of, of creating a unique character because, you know, every because, you know, you think, well, you know, um, someone is black, therefore they're like X, okay? When in fact is, when you talk to them, you find out that, no, they're like Y because because they lived in, you know, in, in, in a different, you know, in different circumstances than you thought they did. You know, I mean, I, I when I was in, in college, you know, I spoke to, you know, I, I, I spoke to some black friends of mine and i said well tell me about the inner city and they're like i grew up in the suburbs dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he says i went to private school you know uh, and 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 uh, we went to yes yes our church was all black but you know it was the, we were all you know people there who were like you know uh, doctors and lawyers and whatever like bill cosby basically the bill cosby show and he says i really can't tell you about the inner city experience i'm sorry i yeah, I have a couple of an African American couple. I love them dearly. Fur and I have known them each for twenty years, and they were raised not in the inner city, they suburb, and and so yeah, they are totally different than what you would expect someone from the inner city to be. But 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 they said, but what I can tell you about is black cooking. Because my mom and my grandma and my aunts and everybody at the church, we had, we had potluck every Sunday. 
and I can tell you all about that. So if you want to make your character, you know, a little bit more unique, you know, you can talk about food. And get into the cuisine. Yes. Get into the cuisine. It's an area that's that'll set them apart from other characters without making, like I say, without perpetuating a stereotype. And I was like, well, thank you very much. And can I, you know, when when can I have some of this food you're talking about? And he says, I, he says, he says, well, my mom usually sends me a care package with like, you know, uh, <laughs> Oreos and things like that. But I guess you could probably, <laughs> I guess you could send something else. <laughs> no, 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 Bruce. It's the one word we use. Research. It's for research. Yeah, that's for it. research. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, research in R and D. R and D. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I try. Um, I'm trying to become more culturally aware. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I'm right. broadening my horizons. And, and I'm hungry. I'm, yeah, right, I'm a yeah, college well, yeah, student. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that's why I'll sit there and I explain to a con what a con suite is to, you know, my various co-workers at my old job, my current job, a con suite. It's a big suite in a hotel with free food 24-7. Well, what, what do you mean? What, with free food, don't they have a re- Have you ever been to a hotel restaurant? I mean, granted, they tell you don't live on the con suite food, but that's like trying, you know, to tell a cat not to scratch stuff. You know, they're going to go and... Do you have two hours free at a con to get food at a, at a, at a hotel restaurant? Uh, yeah, and usually that's when everyone's there, so it's it's slow. No, it's free food, and a lot of these people are poor to begin with. They're saving up and eating ramen all the time so they can come to the con. Yeah. I still remember going to Marcon, and uh, you know, uh, and, and Richard brought a bag of cat food and just poured it out in a dish and put a label on it and said. Oh. Cat- and said cat food, and people were still eating out of it. <laughs> and, you, and, 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 and I'm looking at him, and he's just giving me this 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 mischievous twinkle in his eye. And I'm and and I'm like and I'm always like, was it really cat food? I don't know. You know, it could have just been him. You know, like I say, uh, uh, messing with me. You know, messing with everybody. You know. But I'm just saying is that I saw them do it. I saw them label it. You know, it, it, they were like little squares or little triangles and stuff. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, uh, you know. So my my uh, my uncle said that uh, whenever you go to a uh, a party where you're supposed to bring alcohol, go out and get the worst rock gut alcohol you can get, and then pour it out and refill the bottle with good stuff. And then you put it up on the uh, on the table with all everybody else's alcohol, and later on when you want to drink, your alcohol will still be there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But if you come in there with some Glenlivet, you know, it's put it up there. That's going to be gone in like half oh, an yeah. hour. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll be the first first one in line too. I remember. Yeah, I remember Rich's <laughs> wedding that they all had the toast with the Glenlivet. Yeah. Um, but no, just with with diversity. As far as your players doing it, research, avoiding bad stereotypes, um, be mindful of those in your group, because there may be people that, you know, they just are not keen on the stereotype. They may not be of that, that, that particular ethnicity or group or gender or sexuality, but they may just not like how you're portraying it because to them you're coming off as a stereotype. So be mind, you know, be aware of your surroundings as it were, know your audience. Uh, let's see. Uh, and if you can use it as, yeah, I like Jonathan's thing, personal growth, trying it out, learning something new. 
and I, I would expect an answer from a resident thespian. So yes, I, I did. That was when, when he said that I was like, Oh yeah, just to try and, you know, that other person's shoes. Yeah. I, I was, you know, wanting to applaud there when he said that earlier, uh, but yeah, it, it's with, with these various subsets of humanity as well as other races. Yeah. I think stereotypes are the biggest problem. And as much as we all want to say, well, you know, there, you know, all the stereotypes there, it's a, a basis of truth and all that. It, it's like still at this point, especially with how things are today. And let's see, probably 20, 30 years ago, it was known as political correctness. And, you know, today they're using that, you know, a lot of people use this term like it's nasty being woke. No, you are just being empathetic to the people around you and want to include them. And that is something that all of us want. And playing a quote-unquote diverse character, it, it's the old phrase, strength is in diversity. That's that's kind of the basis of how this our, our very nation was made, the big melting pot, as it were. So yeah, I I did pick this subject tonight because especially as of late, I have noticed that there are certain elements that are not fun to the concept of diversity. I will put that as kindly as possible. And we here on this podcast embrace it in all of its forms. And if there's a new diversity that works for everybody, we'll, we'll promote that too. We're not, you know, if there's a new group that is out there and they are wanting a piece of the pie and they're not detrimental to this society, yeah, bring them on board. Bring them to the table, hand them a sheet and say, here you go. You know, we'll help you make a character that you can play and it'll bring awesome to the group in the game. So, yeah, I just th this was something that's been kind of burning in the back of my mind for a while, folks. So I'm glad that myself and my esteemed co-hosts helped me bring out into the light for everybody to see and hopefully partake of. Um, like, I, like I said, with with uh, at your gaming table. It's just, it's, what's the word I'm looking for here? It is good to shake things up a bit. And hopefully playing a character, and I guess I will say this, playing a diverse character properly will add to that awesome, that diversity, that strength in the group. It will hopefully make everyone aware, the GM and all the players, it will help them be more cognizant of the fact that we need diversity in this world, not just the world at our gaming table and the world that we're role playing in, but the one outside the door of wherever you're gaming. So yeah, I just, I, I felt I had to get that off my chest and, and the outline was great. Thank you again, Bruce. I, 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 I was hoping that, um, what's the word? Uh, for for I I don't know if there was like any confusion between us as far as what I was looking for, but I had no problem with this. I looked at it and said, yeah, this this another patented outline. Check that off. Yeah, just thank you again. I'm always um, glad to help. Well, yeah, it just it 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 because it's it, and it's the whole thing. But Bruce, you do so much better than we do. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, no, this this is something that we need to address these days just because we we see it everywhere we go that there somebody seems to have a problem with diversity and it's something that we need to address. 
because there's eight billion of us out here and just yeah we need to learn to rely on each other more and the fact that we come from a lot of times such disparate backgrounds that's more experience that can help us collectively so it and and the gaming table is just a microcosm of well us you know it's you know four to eight people all are from different have different backgrounds and ethnicities and genders and nationalities and whatnot and bringing all that together the table it's it's a whole part of collective storytelling which is that that's all the gaming is it's just we've been telling stories to each other for millennia it's just now it's a lot more codified with books and dice and sheets so uh i do believe we've covered everything for this topic tonight we've all brought you know with our own disparate experiences we've we three have brought a lot of stuff to the table uh i'm not seeing anything else except probably putting a bow on this if there's no problem with that thank you diversity in gaming um, especially among and players and characters allows for a greater depth of the experience of tabletop role play not only of diversity in the races and creatures that you want to play but also if it is a more modern or science fiction based game diversity of humanity we do need to be cognizant of it at the table and sort of well isms need to go out the door as far as well generally in life but especially at the gaming table things that would bring issue people bringing issue just because there's diversity that needs to go we need to all be together there at the table because, again, it's one mission, collective storytelling. The GM and the players all have their part. And if you are playing, if you have the diversity among the players or the diversity among the characters, it still needs to mesh properly and the representation needs to be there across the board. So hopefully these tips this evening will help with all of that. And here's the good thing. You can contact us and offer constructive criticism. You can offer your own experiences. You can offer things that strangely we did not cover, which I think we did get everything. Our various avenues are fans of the Gaming on the Frontier podcast on pace, Facebook. Facebook, yeah, there is no booze in this, I swear. Bureau 13, Agents Everywhere on Facebook. Fringeworthy RPG fans on Facebook. You can send us informa- uh, questions and comments directly to the Podbean site, tritechsystems.podbean.com. Give us a very wonderful five-star rating on iTunes. Uh, let's see. Uh, all of us have digital footprints. We can be contacted with various social media. We are more than happy to answer your questions and take on your comments and, you know, exchange with all of you on these topics, especially this one. Because as Bruce and Jonathan and I mentioned earlier, the gaming table is becoming much more diverse. So we need to make sure that we have that going for us to help broaden the experience for everybody. So we will have more for all of you next week, but you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. You can listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on DementiaRadio.org. Also, the professor and I are each now on Twitch. For me, it's twitch.tv slash trav31369, Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, with campaign notes. The professor is at twitch.tv slash professorpixie. Please check her page for time and date.